0: Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of the Bad Music Hurts podcast, a show dedicated to celebrating and discussing our favorite records. Today's record is Lord Huron's Wilderness Adventure and debut LP, Lonesome Dreams. I'm Mark Barrowcliff, co-writer and designer behind BadMusicHurts.com. You may recognize me as the voice behind the Bad Music Hurts reviews on helplessness blues, divers, and band on the run. But of course, an album as special as Lonesome Dreams isn't something I could do alone, so with me today is my Bad Music Hurts co-writer, brother, and all-around mischief maker, Michael Barrowcliff.
1: Hello, this is uh, Michael Barclift. Yeah, so I'm I'm the co-writer of BadMusicHurts.com. You may recognize me for Bad Music Hurts posts uh, covering A1A, uh, Ludo's Broken Bride, and as well Vacationer's Relief. And we are also here joined by our sister Amy Gernasio and fellow Lord Huron fan because uh, we introduced her to this band, uh, and she uh, is right here with us. Uh, Amy, say hello.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Amy. You have not heard from me on the blog before. I'm the eldest of the Barrowcliff siblings, um, but the least musically inclined. I'll be the first to tell you that I don't play an instrument. I don't have a record player, <clears throat> Mark, <laughs> and I have no idea what singing off-key means. So I'm the writer behind my own storytelling blog. So I have the most interest in stories told by songwriters, which is the primary draw for me to Lord Huron. Um actually, Mark, I was thinking about this as I was preparing for the blog post that I have a specific memory of riding with you in the car around Christmas time, and you are patiently explaining to me why all of the key changes in Where Are You Christmas make that song utter garbage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a friend of mine told me that you can always, it's like a cheese meter. The more key changes there are in a song, the cheesier it gets. It's exponential. And there's like four or five key changes in that song.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, right. And that that's my point is for me, I was there tearing up about how the feeling of Christmas, you know, it loses a bit of its magic as you grow older because that's what the song made me feel. So for me, that's what I bring to this discussion is I, I'm all about what songs make you feel, um, the lyrics, and, and what meaning they hold for you in them. So while well, you guys have more of a, a appreciation for the musicality and the
0: instruments. By that, she means we're music snobs.
2: <laughs> Total music snobs, but I'm honored to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: We're happy to have you.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Um, So I also have a role as the moderator of this discussion, so I'll kick things off. You know, now that we all know each other, can associate a voice with a name, Um, I thought we'd just take a little time to further introduce how we discovered this band. You know, this, like you said, Mark, this is Lord Huron's um, debut LP. And uh, how did you find them? How did you get here? How did you start listening?
0: If I recall correctly... um... Back when I was in college, and Michael's still in college, um, we would occasionally touch base with uh, bands that we had discovered and were excited to share with one another, and uh, Michael came to me with two bands, actually, at the same time, Lord Huron and uh, The Last Bison. Strangely enough, I actually had Lord Huron on my, like, to-do list uh, somewhere on there that I thought were interesting and I wanted to check out later, but I hadn't gotten to them yet, so I thought, like, burn in the hand, like, okay, this is great, then I'll finally take this as an opportunity to swing this this record up and uh, you can pick up uh, Last Bison and then we'll swap the files so we have both and uh, so that's how I got exposed to them I'm gonna turn it over to Michael because I'm not actually sure how he discovered Lord Huron
1: yeah yeah so I I was kind of remembering this and I believe it was through some sort of music forum of some sorts uh, I think perhaps on Reddit oh, I frequented uh, back around then R listen to this and R if you like blank and I believe I came across uh, Last Bison's music video for Switzerland. And I remember being like, oh, this is really cool. Like, it, I, I remember being really attracted to it and, like, really got into The Last Bison. And then I remember, like, just, I think, like, reading even just, like, YouTube comments. Like, scrolling down, people are like, oh, if you like Last Bison, you have to check out Lord Huron. I'm like, okay. So I, I kind of Googled around. I think I just kind of blindly put them onto my wish list. I don't think I really listen to them much and I think that's when I touch base with you like hey like I really like last bison and uh Lord Huron also was kind of like on that list and once I heard that you also had them on your list I'm like okay this needs to be a purchase
2: great yeah for for me it was a little less um (laughs) less romantic I think it was more that I had been stuck in this top 40 rut and both of you being disgusted with me uh encouraged (laughs) me to listen to Lord Huron (laughs) And um, passed it along to me. And I, I started listening while doing other things, like not really fully present. And the first song comes on and it's got like this hippie, ooh. And <laughs> I remember just kind of like <laughs> balking at it and thinking to myself, oh, you know, here we go again. My brother's in their crunchy bands. Crunchy? What? Crunchy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like granola cruncher, like kind of hippie, kind of indie. And like I said, I was listening to top 40 stuff at the time. So it was off the reservation for me <laughs> and I, I wrote it off and I didn't really listen past that first song. And then I did try it again. I gave it a, another try during a lo- long car ride and I put it on and I remember it being early in the morning and the sun was coming up and it was, you know, one of those great mornings for driving. And I actually listened to the lyrics and I, you know, didn't have anywhere to go or things to think about other than that. Um, and I, I was hooked. I just was captured by the mystery of it and, and, you know, what it made me feel and how it reminded me of traveling. And I I just I loved it after that second listen.
1: Yeah, Amy, that's I think it's primarily like kind of what you get. At, it reminds you of traveling because that's I, I think I was the one when I was like looking back on our traveling pictures, I think from our first Sibs trip. And like I think I was listening to Lord Tehran in the background. I think it occurred to me, I'm like, why doesn't Amy listen to Lord Huron? <laughs> I'm just like, I feel like this would be a great fit. And I think that's when Mark and I were like, yeah, like, no, you're listen- listening to this like right
0: now. We didn't really give her a choice. <laughs> no. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Let's pause there, actually. And can you tell more about the Sib Strip? And, you know, maybe that can help set the stage for some of the things that this album makes us feel. How, how did sibs trip start
0: uh, yeah so <laughs> a- amy is more than just our uh, our sister and our guest on this show today um she is also our resident explorer she has probably been more places than i can count or even recall at this point <laughs> traveling the world far and wide <laughs> so <laughs> as far as the sibs trips go i was starting to get a little bit a uh, uh, bummed out i've been living in the city for um 6 years now um and i believe that that was during the, uh, the like, the first time I was here the full year, not taking off for, like, summer and flying home or anything like that. Like, I was here full time, and it was starting to, to get to me. I wasn't quite used to it yet. And then at the same time, I'm seeing all these pictures and hearing all these amazing stories of all these places Amy has gone. And uh, I believe she asked me one time... Uh, for either Christmas, I think it was Christmas. Like, uh, oh, what, what would you, what would you want? And uh, I, I was truthful and was like, I want, I want to go on an adventure, like one of your adventures. <laughs> I, I think that would be fun. And uh, I think it originally implied that it was going to be just us and then you were like listen like no way it's going to be just us we're inviting michael too and then i was like that's an amazing <laughs> idea and then it just immediately morphed into this amazing sort of sibling trip that was coming up and uh we'd sort of uh, uh we're mulling it over in our heads like oh we should do this yearly then and it, it just sort of, it, it grew very quickly into this this yearly Trip that we would do as siblings to different places, or at least not for now in the United States of America, and uh, exploring all the different national parks and things.
2: Yeah, and it's funny because Michael, I have that same association in my brain where when I listen to this album, I think of that first Sibs trip, and I think you know we went to Rocky Mountain National Park, so we have those western landscapes. And I know we'll probably touch on this later, but you know, Lord Huron has. Like I said, it makes you feel something. And the tone of this album is kind of Western in some places. And so I just have this this linkage between this album and and wandering through the trails of Rocky Mountain National Park with you guys. And that was, I think, the first thing, first time we realized that, like, we, you know, we're getting older and seeing each other on Christmas and Thanksgiving isn't enough. And, and we actually have to make an effort to see each other outside of that, living in three different cities, you know, far away from one another. so. I think that's also how this band is meaningful to me is, you know, it 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 reminds me of those memories and that, you know, I some people say that songs take you back to a place and um this entire album brings me back to that first sip trip. So I know Michael, you probably you had mentioned to me outside of the podcast how the band has meaning to you. So I'm actually going to toss this over to you. I mean, what what about Lord Huron is so so great in your opinion?
1: So I I just really enjoy Lord here on because there's depth to the listening experience of them it's not just a you pop them on you're like oh this is good like this is just good music and then you're done with them there there's more to explore here like uh bed schneider is an artistic storyteller and he he supplements this auditory experience with like visual art pieces and the way that i kind of like i guess is the best way for me to describe it is it's he's sort of like a musical jrr tolkien Whereas Tolkien, for his Hobbit series, his Lord of the Rings series, creates these maps and these languages to make his novels live in. And Ben kind of does something to a little bit to a similar degree, but albeit a little bit lesser. I mean, he's not creating these maps and languages. But, um, I mean, he provides depth to the album by creating a world for these songs to live in. Like, each song is only, like your standard song, like, it's, like, three to four min- uh, minutes per song, but, like, each song, like, shows shadows of the creative world it lives in, and you, you like, get these little glimpses of, like, uh, another thing that could have happened that kind of showcases itself in these songs, and they're all a little, like, s- like, all his songs end up being little snippets of, like, a grand, overarching story that is kind of interconnected, and th- I guess the way he accomplishes this, I mean, he ended up creating this this uh, fictional author George Ranger Johnson as the creator of these fictional novels that the album is supposedly based on and he goes so far as to create a website for this fictional author George Ranger Johnson it's sure enough just www.georgerangerjohnson.com and if you're listening to this i i really recommend you check it out cuz it's it's kind of cool cuz you can read you can read excerpts from these fictional novels that don't exist like um like one of my favorite little excerpts is from lonesome dreams where he describes he it uh i I don't know who the the narrator is on this specific novel novel but it's just like it it's it's evocative and it, it has kind of just it it really gets us across the sense of just how creative ben schneider's mind is for these worlds that he creates these excerpts like i i guess uh, if it's okay i'll just read a little excerpt that i really liked from the novel the fictional novel lonesome dreams it goes and once you awake on a grassy shoreline sure isn't much to reach out and rest a hand upon the shoulders of the dead they don't notice much just the grit of the desert where you're both heading smoke arises from your boots enough to blend in but there ain't no poet ready to lead you out from the shades Ponder the cloud come out from your own two feet. Everyone has a face they see in it, and sure as the celestials, it'll be hers. And you'll need to stride right through it before daybreak. Can I don't know? It's just, it just it it adds, it adds something extra where it gets your brain thinking of like like this character outside the song. There's a story behind him, and I will say that while this stuff isn't necessary to explore to really appreciate the band, it is there if you want to seek it out. And I guess I will say further, he, he, it, Ben Schneider really doesn't follow, I guess, the typical music industry standards of of teasing an album. He, I mean, while he does release like a full single, like he follows that standard, he he does what he calls these like video postcards, where he gives like a great tease and glimpse into the world of Lonesome Dreams and each of the songs. And each like video postcard is something like. Just a little, like either recited verse or just sometimes just relying on the stripped back instrumental of the song. And each song's postcard is best described as, as I was thinking of it, it's like almost like Apple's live photos for a preview for each song. It's just like a slight moving scenery that gives you the glimpse of like where this song takes place and a stripped back instrumentals, a little bit of a verse. And Lonesome Dreams utilizes this um, to really kind of tease the album, and Strange Trails, their their sophomore LP, really utilizes this more to the extreme. Um, and e- each postcard's video quality—I mean, you really get a sense of Ben Schneider's art art degree here, because he makes everything have the perfect aged look, like it was like found footage that you discovered. It has like dirt smudges on it. It's like. It's of high quality, but it also gives across that like this is something that's been beaten up. It's been played a bunch of times. It hasn't been played in a long time. It's it feels like you're discovering something, and I think that's what's really interesting. And just it, it, like for example, my 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 favorite one is for the Ghost on the Shore. It it features just a foggy, overcast twilight view of a great lake, and it has the waves coming crashing in, and you have this crescent moon. And it's like a, like I said, like a live photo. Everything's moving kind of like almost, I guess, also kind of like uh, Harry Potter, like the newspapers. And in this, all of a sudden you just see a faint silhouette kind of come and go out on the water. And it's sure enough, that's the ghost on the shore. And I don't, I don't know. Just, it just, it, it adds more to the experience. I mean, I, I could go on and on. I mean, there's so much there to explore, like Strange Trails, or sophomore LP ben schneider pressed his own uh original pressing comic book limited edition that gives you a uh, kind of a comic book uh look at one of the main characters in in strange trails and um i guess i'll kind of conclude on on why this band is especially meaningful to me is that the band members value their um kind of privacy and not much is known about the band members outside of Schneider. They, what I love about this band is that they have the foresight to see, like, they themselves for this music are not the personalities. They are the storytellers. Like, Amy, like, you remember when our live performance, Schneider and the band members silently walked on stage. They're all dressed in their, their greaser, world-ender jackets. They turn on their prop radio piece, and they just begin to play and there's no like going up there how are you chicago
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like none of that crap it, it's it, it maintains a focus on the characters and stories like not the band members and it enables them to like more easily blend and assume different characters because schneider i mean he ultimately and we'll kind of get to this he ultimately ends up singing for um multiple characters i mean in in his in his stories um because the albums don't revolve around one character they um i know in lonesome dreams they focus around three and in strange trails it's it's more event like vignettes where it's very much a, a breadth of characters also i mean i i might keep rambling here because <laughs> um but I, there there is one last, last thing I want to touch on on why this this band is meaningful to me is that it, it It really kind of like like we were discussing it brings me back to that Rocky Mountain National Park trip and I think both that first Sibs trip and this band like really kind of reunited kind of a childlike wonder within me and made me really want like grow in and longing to want to go out to the to the great unknown like explore check out these new places in nature and like it's like that same inner child that like daydreams about traveling, being a traveling explorer on epic journey, or like a suave like John Wayne-esque cowboy or Dr. Jones who mm-hmm. like saves the girl at the end of it all. Uh, end of it all. I mean, it kind of brings me back. Uh, Mark, Mark will know. It kind of brings me back to uh, Ludo's "Hum Along." Kind of mm-hmm. comes back to mind here. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that's 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 primarily why this band is really meaningful to me is that there's just so much to explore, and each time I listen back to them, I because the songs are so layered, I gain like I I find a new piece in them that are like oh like I didn't even notice I was in there before, and then I know upon when I was reviewing this album again for this podcast and I was listening to them, I I catch new glimpses of. Of the story, and I, sometimes the story in my head ends up changing. I, I catch new pieces, and I'm like, you know what? I think maybe this is the case of what's happening here. And it just it keeps on. It, it has replay value. All their stuff is not a one and done. It's definitely something that grows on you. You can pop it on, discover something new each time. Um, and yeah, I, I would say that's uh, that's a very long winded <laughs> I guess of why this band is meaningful to me.
2: Let me just kick this back to you. So. Lord Huron created a fictional author. This guy does not exist. He's not a thing. He's never written a book. There's a website about him with the list of all of his works, you know, excerpts from the book. I I think there's even a picture of this guy that doesn't exist on the website. Um, So he creates this figment. It's this figment of his imagination that writes these books that just happened to have the same song titles as Lonesome Dreams' album. And I think they also mentioned that it's like out of order. So all these songs are out of order. And then – or all of the – sorry, the books are are written not in chronological order. So there's that. And then he gives you like these little postcards, which are just like online, YouTube, couple-second clips to set a scene. But it's very disorienting. There's not like anything that says – you know this is where we film this or anything like that it's it's just to give you a look into the world. there's all sorts of audio visual components go along with this. I mean Ben Schneider is not just a songwriter like, holy cow he he's creating this world that we just as we listen to the to the songs and over and over again we get deeper and deeper into it and you realize there's all this supplementary material that you can immerse yourself in, which is just I've never listen to a band that had that much to offer before
0: Mm. but that's what i find so interesting i think i think it's easy to complicate things but it's it's very hard to make the music itself still stand perfectly well on its own but then have all these additional layers like unearthing like a dinosaurs or like hidden treasure like the, the deeper you go and if you're interested to go you can find things. There are things there. It's like a big scavenger hunt for those interested those that aren't. The music is still fantastic and and it's always there in case you, you change your mind and want to delve into it. So that's, I find that um, very fascinating.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, that kind of, we talked about how this band and this album in particular, just remind us of that, that travel urge within. And I think that same method of you can dig deeper if you're curious enough and you want to applies to travel too. I mean, the first time you listen to an album or the first time you go a place, you know, you're probably going to hit the touristy spots and you're going to go where everyone goes and that's you're going to be your experience. But for those that want something deeper and more meaningful, they stick around a little longer and they kind of scratch off layer after layer after layer until they really get at the heart of a place. And I feel myself going through the same process as I kind of fall into this world of lonesome dreams is, you know, first, first listen, I listened in the car, like I said, and it's, I'm listening to the lyrics and you know, how it first makes me feel. And then I realize there's this whole backstory and it, just puts a whole new light on all these songs. And I find more and more every time I listen. And it reminds me of, you know, what we do when we travel is we just dig a little deeper and peel back the layers.
0: Yeah. And that's the difference between a passive listening and active listening as well. Like uh, it sounds like your first like active listen was in the car. And um, the joy of active listening is that, you can almost always find something new with each uh, new listen. It's it's uh, exciting in that regard. You can always unearth something new.
2: Well, Mark, you're the king of active listening, aren't you? I don't you? know I mean-
0: about that, but I do, I do more prefer active listening as opposed to passive, yes.
2: I think you told me you pour yourself a beer and put on a record.
0: <laughs> sometimes wine. Sometimes wine.
2: You old man.
1: <laughs> Twirls his mustache, rocks in his chair. And, mm, yeah,
0: it's quiet. <laughs>
2: well, Mark, I, I mean, why is this? been meaningful to you. I mean, Michael gave his, you know, very long-winded answer. What about you? <laughs> well,
0: I, I, I'm nowhere near as a... Um, I, see, I prefer, at least for Lonesome Dreams, strangely enough, to keep it a, a little bit more surface level. I like keeping things a little bit more abstract when it comes to Lonesome Dreams, um, personally. Um, but that's also the the joy of this is that, uh, again, all of these components stand on their own, uh, uh, at least the music does. So it's, you know, if, if you want to go about it this way you can um, i I find more interest in the uh, sonic layering and sampling that Lord Huron does and imagery uh, and how that paints the pictures for these places I find it very fascinating and actually when we get down to the song by song breakdown there's a lot of hidden samples he scatters and sprinkles into these songs that maybe even you guys haven't noticed but they're there and they they sort of paint like a texture for each of these places and it really helps accentuate like what you know, the songs, sort of feel and what you picture and smell. And, and when you close your eyes and you're listening to these songs, it like teleports you to specific places. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting into that. Um, but that's, that's probably what's most meaningful to me is that uh, just the layers and um, orchestrations he, he makes in these songs. It's more than just a guy in a guitar. Like this is a, this is some, uh, um, uh, uh, very dense stuff.
2: So let me stop you there. Um, sonic layering for an unmusical person such as myself. Can you explain that a little bit more?
0: <laughs> uh, sure. So, you know, you have someone playing a guitar. You have someone maybe pl- doing uh, vocals. You have a drum, you know, uh, you have a bass guitar, like, you know, that's that's the, the, the bare bones sort of there. Um, and anything else, you're just sort of layering on top, like maybe you include um, some some sort of a synth on top occasionally, or maybe there's some violins that come in occasionally. These are all different layers, sort of creating this this music cake that we can all enjoy. <laughs> um, and a lot of times, you know, and you can have different uh uh focus points. You know, there's sometimes sprinkles, sometimes there's uh little decoration frostings that are, aren't like anything by themselves, but like they sort of add. A little visual flair or a little extra uh, delight to the overall package, and that can be done with audio as well. Um, There's sometimes samples. When I say samples, I mean things like maybe it's the sound of the ocean, maybe it's the sound of you know uh, wind, or maybe it's uh, wind blowing through grass, or um, uh, you know things of that nature. Um, Those are just sounds. They're just samples. But when added just right into music that sort of, you know, grows out of that and reflects those sort of feelings, it it, it helps create something all the more uh, special, at least to me, and I find fun to to dissect with each different listen and focus on different things. So that's what I mean by sort of sonic layering there.
2: Well, with that, let's go into the song-by-song song commentary here. But before we do, I think one of the things that I've learned just in, in listening to this album time and time again is that, you know, at first blush, I thought this was a chronological story and that ends of the earth that starts the album through to In the Wind and ending with the bonus track of Stranger, that told a bookend, like a end-to-end story and that I could find out what happened throughout the entire album by listening into it top to bottom. And the more I listened, the more I realized that that's, that's not the case. It's actually really disorienting because there's things that are out of order and you know just like this fake author george ranger johnson i mean he didn't write his books chronologically either so it's kind of a fun game as we go through this song too to figure out what's happening when and you know what the true story is but mark i think i mean why do you think that he did that why do you think he put these in such a you know from a storytelling perspective, put it in such a jumbled order.
0: It was a conscious decision to not sacrifice the flow of the album, the music itself. And this is why, going back to what I said, like the music stands alone, and that's the most important, crucial piece here. And the rest of this is really beautiful, supplementary stuff for people that want to explore it. If he had done this in order, the ending track of this album would have been Brother. And that's not a good album closer. I love Brother. Brother's an amazing song, but it is not a... A satisfying closing to a 12-track album. There needs to be some sort of emotional flow to an album. And it, it, the more albums you listen to, the more you can sort of recognize the patterns that albums tend to follow with this flow. Sort of like in movies, you can almost sort of tell the different story beats when they're gonna come along. Maybe you don't know the details. Of course, you you know, in fact, most of the time you don't know the details, but you sort of know the meta structure of of movies at this point. And that's the same with plays and with TV shows. And the same goes for albums. There's sort of a meta structure there. And if he had ended with Brother, and if he had done this in sequential order, it would have been very unsatisfying in terms of flow. But what he did is he decided, you know what, this, this is something, the music needs to come first here. This flow feels more emotionally satisfying. So I'll go about it that way. And the joy of that is, at least at first listen, it still does sound – and I actually, Amy, I agree. I thought this was a sequential story as well on, mm-hmm. on my first few listens as well Um, because of that, because the emotional flow was so consistently sound and satisfying to me. And it was only on, like, delving into those supplementary materials and delving more into the lyrics that uh, I found out, oh, you know what? Actually, this is like a, a sort of a puzzle piece almost, different vignettes that, you know, sort of move around, and this is more of the order. So that that was definitely the intention there was to not sacrifice the the album as a whole for the story.
2: Yeah, what's interesting is the first time I listened to this, I think I was on song 3, Lonesome Dreams, before I realized that I was 3 songs deep because the transition from song to song is so incredible. I mean, I mean it just Flows so well, and I I didn't realize that I was actually jumping track to track, which was a departure from what I'm used to listening to. Which is, you know, song ends a little bit of audio fuzz, <laughs> let it go to the next track. It starts, and there's no real connection song over song. You know, you have your your hits, but it's usually packaged with a bunch of other fluff. And this is not that. It's it's it flows so incredibly well. There's a story, albeit jumbled, um, but that's just to kind of set the stage of, you know, our song-by-song song analysis is stuff happens out of order, so it opens with ends ends of the earth, and I know there's like this overtone of adventure and and wanderlust, and, you know, there's so many things going on in the song. It's a great adventure song, but that actually happens later in the tale. So I, I don't know, for me, you know, when I listen to Ends of the Earth and it's the opener, I, I love it. It's exciting. I'm totally jazzed to listen to the rest of the album. What what does it make you guys feel? What do you notice about Ends of the Earth, this this album opener?
1: Like like we're saying how he goes non-chronologically for the sake of artistic flow, I think it also serves for a story flow as well, because in these three songs, we get our main introductions to our, our three characters of the story. It's uh, Huron, the the Admiral Blackfeet, and Helena are the three that are the main focus of this this album, and I think that's it's it's great because sonically, like we're we're getting at it, it totally flows, and also in the story, you get your exposure to your to your first. Your, your characters so you get your introduction to who's who
2: i'm gonna stop you there C- can you tell us who's who i mean for those new listeners out there i mean new
0: listeners i still can't keep track of it all yeah
2: <laughs> who, who are those people in the three songs that we get introduced to
1: so the way it goes in my head huron is kind of the main character of this story and huron is the one that is the narrator of ends to the earth he's the one that is Realizing there's this greater world out there, this world to see, like, oh, I got to get out there. Like, I want to leave this life and get out there. And we also get introduction to this woman, Helena, who we can presume to be either romantically involved with Huron in some capacity. And it ends up, this ends of the earth is our one side transcript of this conversation. And that's Huron's side. In which case, he's saying, like, from the lyrics, oh, there's an island where all things are silent. I'm going to whistle a tune. Oh, there's a desert that size can't be measured. I want to count all the dunes. Like, you could just get this sense that he is just, like, has this go-getter, adventurous attitude. Like, that big thing, I'm going to conquer it and be the first. You just get this, it's so kind of contagious. Um, we're, we're introduced to Helena here kind of in a indirect way. In the fact that you, through Huron's dialogue, get introduced to her, and you get a sense that it is a dual conversation, because at the end, you get kind of this melancholy close of, maybe I'm heading out to die, but I'm still going to try. Guess I'm going alone. Pretty much him being like, okay, I, I guess you can't come with me. Then... On Lonesome Dreams, the third track, we get introduced to the Admiral, uh, Black Huffet, which I have my theories on on how he ties into this story, but we'll we'll wait till we get to Lonesome Dreams. But um again, there's there's not much known specifically about the characters, except you know that it revolves around three, because on upon inspection, when you do this digging into this other art pieces that Schneider provides, you find in George Ranger Johnson's website, he says that involves these three characters and what's really fun is that you have all this information from the song in terms of the story and you know there's these three characters and it's really fun to try to put together the pieces and piece who's who and i guess i i guess i can't really specifically answer your question name because what's kind of fun is that we're not really given backstories on these characters i mean we kind of have to come up with i mean we can mark and i always use the term headcanon you can kind of come up with your own headcanon or or your own imagination can just kind of run wild on who you envision these people to be and i think that's super important that's also why uh, I, this band is really meaningful to me is that you, you really get sucked in by almost the intentional vagueness and aspects because it really gets you more invested and curious like who are these people and i i just find it really fun to just every listen kind of to revisit these characters and think is this what i think again okay well maybe maybe the story's actually this way maybe the story actually revolves around this character and yeah so i would say that's 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 kind of why i find it interesting at least about these first three songs is that you get your introduction to your main three characters so it really. Ties together well sonically and both in terms of the story, even though chronologically, like we're saying, in terms of how the events actually happen, it's not necessarily the case,
2: yeah, there there is that overtone of wanting to make your mark on the world. And one of my favorite lyrics of all time actually comes from this this first song, which is What good is living, the life you've been given? If all you do is stand in one place. And there's that just overtone of adventure and wanting to make your mark. But there's that undertone, like you said, that the mix of heartbreak and realizing that your partner doesn't want to do the same things you do. They don't want to go with you. But at the same time, that heartbreak is also a freedom. I mean, think about the freedom that comes from a broken heart. You can go out really and remake yourself and do what you want. So I, I have these, this overtone and undertone of that song that just really sets the stage for the album. And that's really neat. And the other thing I just wanted to bring up is I um later, after many listens, had discovered the music video to this song and the official music video, it kind of helps put some pieces together for me in the story. And in the video, Huron is locked away in a jail, and Helena cuts to a scene of like Helena locking away Helena, sorry, locking her heart away in this like safe. And then Huron escapes from jail. He goes and retrieves Helena's heart from this box. And then he's like on a train and he lights his cigarette with a gun. He's like a total John Wayne.
0: (laughs) What, you don't do that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's It's really funny. It's like – it's Western in so many ways and romantic and adventurous. It's so cool. Um, But there's like this fight scene on the train and then it ends with Huron back in jail. And so I'm like, oh, well – First, I'm like, what the heck did Lord Huron do? And now I know, okay, it has to do with Helena, but I don't know why he was in jail in the first place, you know, hence why this is not the first item in the actual story. But I got, I got a little more pieces, a little bit more pieces of the puzzle. I don't know, you, Mark, anything to say about Ends of the Earth before we move on?
0: Um, Honestly, I think you guys covered it, but uh, in terms of the uh, samples that I was teasing before, at the very start of this record, there's a subtle cricket sample at the beginning. If you listen with some good headphones at a decent volume, you, you'll hear them. They're there, but that sort of sets the tone as he's talking about all the scenery, like over there is a mountain, no man is mountain, and all that stuff. There's crickets subtly in the, the background that sort of set the stage for what kind of album this is going to be and what kind of uh, tone it's going to have, which uh, it was really expertly done.
2: Let's talk about the transition from Ends of the Earth to Time to Run. Um, Mark, any comments musically about that?
0: Yeah, so this is a, I don't want to say trick, but this is a technique that musicians, when they're you know crafting LPs, sometimes utilize where two songs that happen to be in the same key or potentially have the same uh, sort of message or tone would sort of gracefully transition into the others in a gapless flow. Where there is no, as you mentioned, hard stop with silence in between the tracks. like, it, And you might, in fact, on one listen, if you're not looking at the playback, you might not even notice that they're two separate tracks at all. That happened to me. <laughs> sometimes musicians do this for two songs. Maybe sometimes they do it a couple times in the album. Lord Huron goes out guns blazing and does it for practically half the record. <laughs> all of these songs gracefully transitioning into the others, which is... It, it, amazing there is barely any other bands out there that have done it to this extent the only one that comes to mind is the decemberists with uh hazards of love mm-hmm. and that was intentionally made to be more of like a sort of musical style lp so the, the this is not a musical but the fact that they they sort of capture that aesthetic is impressive
2: so time to run this was one that held some clues for me about maybe what lord huron did there is a, a lyric in it that says, I have no regrets. I will not ask for your forgiveness, lower your defense, run away with me and it'll all make sense. I did it all for you. Don't spurn me after all I've gone through. No time to rest. I'm going to find me a life. For me, I, you know, this has kind of made me realize that whatever Lord Huron did to, you know, incite this, this chase and this run and this wild story is, 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 some sort of crime of passion a crime for love something for Helena and I don't know that was another little piece of the puzzle but I also just you know superficially love this song because it's it's got a great beat it's got danger and drama and I love to listen to this while I actually do run (laughs) so um, it's it's one of my favorite favorite tracks of all time it actually was my alarm for some couple of months
0: oh my god you set a song you like as your alarm that's ballsy
2: (laughs) And it didn't make me hate it. That's how much I love this song.
0: <laughs> wow. That's bold. I know. Yeah. I'm
2: just living on the edge here. So. <laughs> I don't know. Anything you guys time to run? Any special connection?
1: What did he do? Because <laughs> it's <laughs> like, look, we know that he's, yeah. like you're saying, it's like a, a crime for love. It's a crime that he did for her. And I think this alludes to that maybe like from the rejection from end of the Earth, Huron, believing that Helena is not meaning what she's saying, there's something else controlling her or holding her back from from doing this, that's, I think, what he's doing here, is that he's doing some sort of, I don't know, out there or, like, kind of unspeakable crime or some plundering or or something that would somehow, in his mind, uh, allow Helena to be freed from whatever shackles she seems to be shackled with and to be able to run away with him, but it it seems that this is not the case and he's it, you get the sense of like it like you're saying the beat in here is just like you get the sense of the adrenaline like he's just come come back from this he's like I, don't worry i did offer you like let's go we we gotta go get in the car don't <laughs> ask questions or whatever. we gotta go yeah
2: my heart races in this track it, it mm-hmm. actually beats faster because i'm so i'm excited i'm like you said adrenaline is pumping
1: mm-hmm. you get a sense of this it's not like this heavy metal danger it's also got a, a light tone to it in a uh-huh. sense that it's just like it still has that adventurous like come on we'll, let's go this is our chance we we gotta go out way out west and come on we get we gotta go and they they is that sense of that lightheartedness. Nothing's ever gets too dark yet in this album at right. this point, and I think that's important, like we're saying, for kind of the emotional flow of the album.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that the tone of this sort of song was, as you touched on, is what I find most fascinating. Typically, if, if it's something like, oh, we're on the run, you know, it's it's more like dramatized and a little bit more of a thriller sort of style thing, but this is more like, oh dear, we're in trouble, grab the things, <laughs> we gotta go, woohoo, this is gonna be fun! And I do kind of, I do kind of like that. Sure, there is tenseness there, but The attitude the singer has to this uh, situation does tell pages of what kind of person this is. And that makes me like them already. Like, I don't even care what they did. The fact they're just like, oh boy, well, I guess we're doing this now.
2: (laughs) Got to run. And actually, the transition between Time to Run and Lonesome Dreams is one of my favorites in the entire album. Oh, it's
0: fantastic. Lonesome Dreams is, hands down, my favorite song on this record and is perhaps one of my favorite songs by any band. It is my favorite part of this entire record. It is the beginning of this song that just... Absolutely fills me with wonder. He somehow, and this is, goes back to, to Lord Huron and how they paint pictures with their sounds. It's it's all about imagery with them and taking you to places. You can almost feel like you're there. And what they do with these sounds, it's as if they just took up a, a starry night and poured it out of your speakers. I, I don't know how they did it, but wherever I am, it, the song manages to like lure me to that land with them in this endless brilliantly lit sky it, it sort of reminds me of uh band of horses infinite arms the self-titled track on that uh lp and um uh, uh and that also sort of transports you to a starry night but this this takes it to a whole other beautiful beautiful level it's it, it just fills me with wonder and peace at the same time and sort of this deep melancholy put to song, it's just, there's always some other facet to it that I can look at and explore in this starry night that is Lonesome Dreams, the self-titled track. It's just an absolute triumph.
1: Oh yeah, and I I think it's, I think it is that, like you're saying, because sonically it just builds to it, because Ends of the Earth is just this very kind of smooth going song gets you introduced and then time to run, picks scenes up. And then like it all just culminates so well in lonesome dreams. Like it really is like you're saying a triumph, this beginning triplet. And I agree with you, Mark. And I, I like how you kind of bring up uh, band of horses, infinite arms. Cause it very much is like them taking that to the nth degree and really just embellishing that. And just like, infinite arms, you get a sense like hearing this very kind of crickety, swampy land and whatnot. But in this, it's it truly is grand. Like you're saying, you get a sense of like the twinkly instrumentals or you know, for the for the night sky. And like you're saying, it's it's just it it really is a musical triumph because it's not I guess what's what's kinda neat about what they do is that all of this layering and extra little hints, it's like it's done so tastefully and it's i think it's so easy to overdo it and Mm. become very much to this tacky arcade fire degree where you're very self-aware that you are indeed i know
0: (laughs) i like arcade fire
1: (laughs) but i mean like i i do too but i am very conscious that they do kind of slip a little bit into that but i think lord Huron has Just he he knows how to do it so tastefully, where it just feels part of the music. It's not even even Infinite Arms. While they do do this, you get a sense that some of the sampling can be a little almost to an equal volume as as everything else, which plays well for that song, but. I think for some people that may turn them off and like, oh, this is like Amy, saying, this is really crunchy, like or, um,
2: crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs>
1: Munching on my granola. Um,
2: for me, I mean, like most other songs, it's it's the, it goes back to the lyrics, and this is what I identify so much with. A couple different phrases in the song where he's been he says that he's dreaming of a lonesome world. So in other words, he's dreaming of of being alone and exploring on his own. And, you know, I've been there. I've I've traveled alone so much. And I know that feeling that you dream of that, that exploring on your own and not being, you know, you don't have anyone to answer to really, except for yourself. Um, he goes, and I feel like I know this place. He says that I think three different times. I feel like I know this place as the tree line breaks into wide open space, or I feel like I know this place as the road winds into wide open space. So he, he says this over and over again that he's got this nostalgia, like it's, it's in my mind somewhere. I, I know this. I've dreamed of it. I've been here before or something, and I can't pinpoint it. And I also, I know that feeling or something just seems just familiar enough, but you can't place it. And then at the end, this melancholy comes in where he goes, you know, and I don't really know this place. It's lonesome here in this wide open space. Can it be as real as it seems? Maybe this time I won't wake from the dream. And you're like, oh my God, you know, maybe traveling alone isn't so romantic after all. Maybe it is lonely and you miss someone to share the memories with and all of this. And I don't know, this whole, this whole song, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I, I know it. I, I know the feeling and I identify with it. And I love it for that reason it's the lyrics just for me. I'm like, oh, hits home. Totally.
1: Mm-hmm. There is kind of this melancholy where maybe there's a longing for Helena. Like it almost, I think it it hints and it's foreshadowing on I Will Be Back One Day when the, oh, they, yeah. they get to that story. And I think, well, like I said before, this is where we're introduced, at least in my head, to Admiral Blackfay, um, where they kind of join up together. And in my head is that I could see how the Admiral and Huron link up together almost by accident, if not—I it could. I could view it as almost by accident or on purpose, where the Admiral— in my head, could have been shipwrecked, where he he lands on this random island coast, then bumps into Huron, or it was not this meeting was intentional, and maybe that intentional meeting between the two ties back into the trouble that Huron is in, and ultimately that's where it kind of culminates in brother. So I could see it kind of going either way, where this is kind of like the admiral was out on the Great Great Lake and got into some some deep trouble and ends up shipwrecked and runs across Huron. Or I could definitely see it being intentional, kind of like I'm saying it gets back to maybe Huron recruited the help of his admiral friend for this trouble that he faced um, when he did this unspeakable crime for for his love.
2: You know, what's interesting, Michael, is that in an interview that Schneider did, I think with NPR, I might be butchering that, but he um, actually said that Lonesome Dreams... The title track of this album is actually the first installment of George Ranger Johnson's Johnson's adventure series of the same name. And it chronicles, just like you said, the first encounter of the Admiral and Lord Huron in the beginning of their like epic friendship and journey. I wonder if this is actually the first thing that happens. You know, it is the title track. And I wonder if they did meet before any of the drama with Helena. Because why else would the Admiral be a part of that whole crime, whatever Huron did that was so bad? I mean, there had to have been a pre-existing friendship, in my opinion. So I kind of I kind of buy into that theory that maybe Lonesome Dreams is the start of everything.
1: Yeah, I, I could see that. And it, like you're saying, it, it could be that you need that start for them to be acquainted. But Again, yeah, this this is why this is so fun, because I I could interpret it one way where Huron and the Admiral are either genetically related, as in brother, we take that very literally to mean that they are, I mean, otherwise, I could very much see how else could Huron convince the Admiral to help him out with such, because the Admiral then almost becomes an enemy of the state. (laughs) (laughs) Right. he's, He's helping out this criminal. I could very much see how the only way Huron could pull that string is that, their they're brothers. brothers like you only do something like that for someone that you love as deeply as your brother and family member that's what I love about this there's so many different ways that you could take this and, and, and think about it and how does this fit into the storyline and and that's that's a very good point. I never thought of this as as the beginning track, but it very well could be. It's just interesting just to think about on how this could all play out.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, From Lonesome Dreams, such a triumph of a song, something that just has such a deep impact. We go to Ghost on the Shore, which, in a word, is, is haunting. Oh, my oh, gosh. Oh,
1: man, yeah.
2: And I think, I mean, Mark, Michael, I know you guys are really into this song. I don't have much to say about it, so I might pass the torch to you guys.
1: Dear God, the harmonica instrument has such emotional weight to it and god the coral reefer band is missing <laughs> something without fingers taylor like oh, i don't I know. know what happened between him and jimmy buffett but man you miss something without this instrument just adds so much
2: tuesday's thursday's saturday's would not have been the same
1: <laughs> yeah exactly like you, you a lot of the tracks on a1a you get especially the more introspective tracks where buffett really kind of struggles with some things i like you you, you the harmonica is a perfect compliment and like i think it's perfectly illustrated here on ghost of the shore because it's it's definitely at least in my head i believe this is solely revolving around the admiral i believe that this either is before their encounter either before the shipwreck or before they meet up intentionally or or something like that that's at least how it plays out in my head and I could very much see this song as like it being kind of like that video postcard of it being this just like grungy overcast kind of eerie night and it's just the admiral sitting on his boat just dealing with these night musings and he's like and I think the song is very much him trying to deal with some demons in his past. He probably was responsible in his time as Admiral for a lot of deaths or responsible for the lot of loss of his crew. I mean, even in the music video for Lonesome Dreams, we see the Admiral on the shore with with these headstone graves and these ghosts. And it's just, you definitely get the sense that the Admiral was responsible or took part in something really bad that costs lives i think you really get a sense of that with the lyrics and he's like i'm just a man but i know that i'm damned all the dead seem to know where i am he just seems to be haunted by this past of of either his fallen crew members or enemy sailors he's taken and he just can't seem to escape from it and the reason i see this as a preclude to lonesome dreams before him and here on meet up is that the emerald's kind of dealing with these demons. he he keeps on saying he's like i'm going away for a long long time like i'm going away for a long long time like he's dealing with trying to deal with his past then he's in his head committing that if this is an intentional meetup between huron and the admiral he knows there's there's no turning back i'm in for the long haul on this or i could see if it's not an intentional meetup like huron he's trying to get a new start he's trying to flee his previous life and he's like you know what? I just need to go away. I just need to leave. I need to go out there. And I could see if that's not an intentional meetup, why it seems very fitting that the Admiral and Huron meet up because they're both trying to escape this past that they've dealt with. It just seems very fitting to me. And it's the song is just, like I said, it's very much a tone about acceptance and reconciliation for one's past. He's very much like, die if I must, let my bones turn to dust but damn it, I'm the lord of the lake and I don't want to leave it and yeah, I just love this because I I am a sucker for a kind of moody kind of dark
0: song and this just nails it it just hits it out of the park the transition between the tones of the speaking voice, the speaking character is very expertly done as well you can almost hear the harmonica floating in slowly like a fog all this optimism and sort of uh, well, not optimism, let's say, but more um, making the best of things. Sort of voice that's in "Loathsome Dreams" just starts to get uh, enveloped in this new sort of voice coming in with this harmonica. This, you know, grizzled admiral. It's uh, very expertly done.
2: Yeah. Well, notice, I mean, there's something otherworldly about the trouble that the admiral's in as well, because he's he uses the word "damned," not like "oh, I'm in big trouble." <laughs> he's "I'm damned." Did he sell his soul to the devil? See, you know. One of the pirates, I, I mean, what is what? What is his deal? Um, it's also a little disorienting because of that lyric, I'm the lord of the lake and I don't want to leave it. I mean, you could interpret it that as the speaker of the song is Lord Huron. That's what I did. I'm the lord of the lake. So it, it takes a little bit of, of listening and sifting through things to kind of come up with your theory on who's actually singing that song. I, I don't think it's Lord Huron. I agree with you. I think it's the Admiral, but it is – that's the whole thing that keeps coming back with this album. Is it is there's something you can't quite put your finger on, like um, that word. I can't. I can't think of a better word. It is disorienting.
1: <laughs> some some of the stuff about this world is really relatable, and you look at some of the album art with uh, Mighty and uh, Into the Sun and his other EPs, and I think this plays into his music as well. Is that like the music? Those album arts, like you're saying, it looks like. A place that could exist but yet there's something just slightly off or like slightly different that it just seems unnatural And i think that just like it's the perfect creation of a fantasy world where it like draws you in but it's also at the same time relatable it's not to the extreme say of uh the lord of the rings where you have all these different mythical creatures like it's still at the end of the day humans but you do have this other just slightly off unnatural supernatural aspect i mean you look like, I, I think it's into the sun, that you have this meadow that looks kind of just, it looks off. And then you have the Mighty EP, where it's like you have this this coast on the shore, or you have this coast, and then you have this, this elephant in the water. It's yeah. just like, it's one of those things where you're like, what? It's just like I'm saying, there's this like slightly off aspect
2: about the worlds that he creates didn't one of them have like machu picchu on it but also palm trees
0: that's the line art of uh, the lonesome dreams album actually like along with the lyrics there's a picture of yeah machu picchu with just like <laughs> some palm trees in there oh, which right?
2: makes no sense mm-hmm. and that's what i mean about disorienting like oh, you think you know it you you feel like you know this place and and you don't because something's gonna kind of put a kink in your interpretation and I don't know. Maybe it's not meant to be a specific place that we're thinking of when we listen to this song or these songs. But anyway, let's let's move on to "Sheila to Fire." And I think I have a personal connection to it just because we use this song in our you know in our wedding <laughs> slideshow, and I love it just because I think it's romantic. But do you guys have anything in particular you want to say about it?
1: Every I think every boy kid has this fantasy of being this this kind of like cool suave, either cowboy or kind of like. Badass kind of dude that just saves the girl at the end of the day, and this song like is kind of very much, I think, a little bit of like tongue in cheek of that. You're out there exploring, and you come across this girl, and you're like, "Oh my god!" And like, you look at the music video for this too, and it's it's just fun. Again, this is kind of where the story is fuzzy to me because I'm not sure where this fits in. It could be Huron, it could be the Admiral. I'm not sure, but either the characters were they. It, they're like, I, I just can't find her. <laughs> like,
0: um, <laughs> I know I placed her somewhere around here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so, I don't know. This It's a fun song. I, I like it. It's a fun one.
2: Yeah. When I first listened to this album and I thought it was a story top to bottom chronologically, I viewed this song as the turning point of where he had let go of Helena and, you know, no longer felt that pull and that responsibility to remaining true to her um, because she hadn't come with him. But I no longer think that. I just think it's an interesting viewpoint from someone who thought it was a chronological story. I viewed that as when he had, you know, cast off the weight of her on his consciousness and, you know, found someone else mark any comments before we move on
0: no, i think you guys covered it
2: okay so i will be back one day um mark i think there's some interesting layering in here now that i know about sonic layering
0: yeah so there's definitely you know he begins very much the same way he did with the first track actually on the first side with um samples like, he brings back with uh i'll be back one day there's an ambient wind hidden in there there's also a a, a bubbling creek in there um again sort of reminding us like oh this is you know a place uh maybe that you've been but maybe not and uh it's a good way to sort of mirror the first half but not quite duplicate it so it's a it's a great great beginning to the second half for sure
1: i think that's interesting mark i never really thought of this this album like you're saying in terms of sides but it makes complete sense like for a pressing like you're saying with an album this of lp length you're going to have to flip over to the sides and I think that's really interesting. Like you're saying, like, sonically, you're right. It it kind of is a tie back to kind of like the beginnings of things. I, I at least instrumentally think that this, honestly, I will say is my favorite song on the album, both for a story perspective and an instrumental perspective. I just love the main, like, twangy guitar riff of this song. It's not super complicated, but it's so grand and powerful. Like, it just has this, like, drive to it. And I think that very much complements what's kind of going on here in the story. I believe our focus shifts back here to Huron. And kind of tying back to Amy, what we're saying about Lonesome Dreams, where he's like, oh, maybe like this is kind of lonely. I think this very much is the turning point illustrated here in Huron. He obviously has been dealing with like an internal struggle of sorts of desires, as well as kind of like. Maybe the haunting of his his unresolved past of like this crime that he committed. Like he says, like you kind of get the sense of this internal struggle of desires when he says, I want to live in the land of lakes where the great waves break and the night runs right into the day. I want to be with the ones I left, but I'm way out west and years keep on slipping away. Further, he mentions, I've been running a long, long time, trying to flee that life, but I can't seem to leave it behind. I think it just comes back to like he has this desire, he's like. I accomplished what I want to. I'm out here, but why am I still thinking of her? Why am I still like, I think it's very much because he hasn't yet in his mind had closure to that crime he committed. It's still kind of, Tinkering in his head, I think it's important is that Huron's not a bad guy, like he did a bad thing, but he did it for what he believed were the right reasons, and I think that's why he's having this this struggle of desires something in his head is just saying like this is not right while he physically left his old life behind and achieved like the freedom he wanted to in the wilderness. He realized that, well, what's the point of this freedom and this this great life if I have no one to share it with? Like we're saying, this is where like the loneliness sets in, and I. It, this is very much, I think, kind of like this reminds me a little bit of Broken Brides. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night is also a big turning point in The Traveler, where he is like, you know what? No, I am going out there, and I, I'm I'm saving I'm saving her. Like I don't care what danger I'm facing, and that's very much kind of the same thing here. I'm doing here is that he is. internally he made a vow to her i will be back one day and you're gonna meet me on that great big lake i'm returning but deep down he knows like he knows that trouble and that what's gonna happen to him if he goes back so i just i love this song because it is such a turning point it just in huron we very much see kind of this this change in his character and instrumentally i just this song every time it's just it's my favorite every time um it's just the grandness and the layering kind of like how it ties back to the beginning of the album like mark mentioned and i don't know it's 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 de- it's definitely maintained as my favorite since i've began listening to this album
2: that's interesting i actually am recognizing all that you're saying but this one doesn't have a particular grab on me so i i don't have much to say on it except for to underscore what you've already said i think it is a perfect compliment to Lonesome dreams and that loneliness that sets in, and, and how easy it is to romanticize, like exploring and traveling alone. But the reality of it is that it's, it's filled with a lot of downtime by yourself, alone with your thoughts. <laughs> and <laughs> gets a little lonely.
1: Yep, exactly. And that's when you're alone with your thoughts that you really start thinking about. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> oh, that was a bad idea.
2: Maybe I shouldn't have, you know, cozied up to the damned admiral.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so
2: so the man who lives forever. I find this the most confusing track in the whole entire album because I can't decide whether or not it's Huron that wants to live forever or the damned admiral.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. This is the one of the two songs for me that along with Sheila to Fire, I am not sure every... Like, I can't really piece together on where this fits quite yet. Um, And I agree, I'm I'm not sure if it's the Huron or the Admiral, but I kind of like it because it's just such a a lust for life that this song brings forth. He, like, found his girl, he loves his girl, and he he doesn't want to lose her. Like, I want to live with you forever. Like, it truly is, like, a very romantic song in that respect because it's very much him almost internally conveying like a, a wedding vow in in some respects like i don't even want death to tear us apart it's right. it's very romantic in that sense um yeah. and it's I, I think that's makes it a very fun song
2: yeah said that death is a deal you cannot refuse but i love you girl and i don't want to lose you Um, I ain't never going to die. I want you to come things like phrases like that are peppered throughout the song. So yeah, I I mean, it's a great way to think of it as like a a vow to a beloved that not even death will tear you apart. There's something very beseeching about Lord Huron's love for Helena. I never quite believe there's some sort of reciprocation,
0: Mm. you
2: know, and maybe it's because we never hear Helena's side, but he seems to just be all into this romance and totally committed, and and wanting to be with her to the point where not even death will tear them apart. But she had no problem in not going with him.
0: <laughs> mm, well, we might hear her potentially on the last track of the album.
2: Ah, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that that's where Helena's side comes in, but her first and
0: only appearance on the album, as far as I'm aware
2: yes
1: right. i i agree I, I like we get that kind of like i was saying one side transcript and ends of the earth but yeah the only one that's explicitly her is
0: in the wind yeah but i will be back one day is a super fun song there's a sample in there that's not even so subtle it's just there wide in the open with uh <laughs> wildlife and birds and very fun it it, it reminds me in a way I, i'm not sure why but it does of a vacation uh vacationer is the wildlife in terms of oh, just oh, like yeah. you know and this is just such a we're gonna have a little bit of fun right now and um it it definitely it it is absolutely the i don't want to say the comic relief but the relief in this album where a lot of this is lonesome a lot of this is uh melancholy very um introspective um and then we have this which is like okay we're gonna have a little bit of fun now sort of like uh sloop john b and uh, uh pet sounds as well where we definitely have a little bit of a a reprieve before we get into lullaby brother and god help us in the wind <laughs> um which is and again going back to the story is not sacrificing the music here this is a perfect place to put this especially after i will be back one day which is again a little bit a little bit sad a little bit melancholy so to have have this like give us one last like you know boost of um uh, positive energy before we, it's just, so we're prepared to handle what comes next. Uh, emotionally, mm-hmm. um, is is very, it's very well placed. It's very well executed. It's it's a blast. Oh right?
1: yeah, yeah, I agree. Because the 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 rest of the album is definitely kind of everything kind of culminates and it, emotionally, it, it very much kind of changes back to kind of the emotions we saw in, in Ghost in the Sh- on the shore and some of the darker songs on this album.
2: Yeah. So moving on to lullaby, I always envisioned that this was Helena.
0: Oh, I'd forgotten about lullaby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I think this is this is probably the, then the second second appearance of Helena, but she said, you know, where have you been, darling? What have you done? You know, there's mm-hmm. fire in your eyes, there's blood on your hands, and this I think was when I I mean I th- thought this throughout the entire album, but here I was like what the hell did you do here like you stupid idiot like who'd you kill (laughs) what'd you do what'd you do man yeah Uh,
1: yeah i i love this song you get a sense that they you know for whatever reason helena does have maybe she's not mature enough or maybe she's she doesn't yet see and like you're saying reciprocate the love for huron and it very much is like oh what did you do like but it's such a sweet song, and it's very simple. And I think that's it's very important for us to kind of have a little bit of an instrumental break, where it's just kind of very soothing and and slow before the rest of the album finishes. It's a nice break, and I view this kind of in the story as as it, uh, proceeding right after Huron c- commits commits this crime. Like after ends of the earth, he's like. I, I gotta somehow free her from whatever shackles these may be that she feels bound to stay here and he does this this crazy crime and then he goes back in lullaby and he he I think he ultimately fails in mm-hmm. lullaby and he's defeated, he's tired, he's got blood all over him, and I just find this so sweet and it gives you a, a glimpse of the connection that they have because Helen is s- super comforting. She takes him in like darling what would you do and holds him i think it's he it almost kind of treats him like a child in the sense like the lullaby and i think that's like i love the lyric where she's she says like dream of laughter and old friends and lovers dream of when you're innocent dream forever like i just love that lyric how she's just trying to comfort him she kind of knows that he's he's done she kind of knows like that. there's no turning back and i like how she she doesn't like dwell on that she diverts it and says you know dream of something dream of a place that you want to be like dream of of greater times and better times and i don't know i just i, I love this one is just like an instrumental break and just it, it gives you a glimpse of kind of the relationship between helena and huron and it very much is a loving and comforting relationship and huron definitely is the the troublemaker and, of the relationship.
2: I don't know, though, because she says there's a price to be paid for the things that we do. So either she's telling him, like, in principle, like an Aesop's <laughs> Fable type of thing, like, you yeah. must pay for your mistakes. Um But it also could be interpreted as, like, what if Helena was actually involved with someone else? Like, married to someone else, maybe someone powerful, and Lord Huron's the lover.
1: <laughs> so actually, I... I very much agree with your theory. I've been holding – I've been purposefully not talking about it, but um, that is actually very much my theory, If uh, and we, we can reserve it for, for the end closing, on, or we can talk about it now if you want.
2: Let's parking lot it. I want to hear the rest of your theory, but we'll save it for the end so you don't divulge too much. So Helena's comforting Lord Huron in Lullaby. Um russ darling, dream forever and we move on into brother which brother
0: <laughs> brother
2: michael this is one of your favorite songs
1: uh yeah the, yeah this is one of my favorites um in, in the fact that this is in the storyline the closer and this is where in my head where admiral and huron where huron fulfills his vow and and it's either right as they're arriving back home or him and Admiral or him talking to the Admiral and saying, Hey, like, I gotta do this. Like, will you go with me one last ride on this? And I think it's either them right before they're arriving back home or Huron consulting with the Admiral. And I, I love this because it's like that you get a sense of this strong friendship and bond between the Admiral and Huron, because Huron is like no man, brothers till the end. And like I just love cuz you get a sense that like there's going to be this big western showdown that's going to be happening between Admiral Huron and and whoever they're going to be facing. And um I don't know, is it 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 it's just a great song for for I think a glimpse into the these characters and I love it because it leaves the storyline on such a cliffhanger. We have no idea what happens to the Admiral and Huron. Like, yeah. I mean, this is kind of in my head before this fight. And I kind of like how we are left of, again, this intentional vagueness. Because it's like, the focus here is, the story is in the focus, but it's the characters that are important. And I think that's what Schneider is doing here, is he's focusing on main turning points of the characters... And not so much of just historical benchmark events. And I think that's what really makes it work, is that we get to see these really crucial connections between these characters, like Huron and the Admiral, and we get to see this great relationship between the two. And yeah, it, it, this is a fun one. I I, I definitely like this, this song.
2: One of my favorite lyrics is, Don't turn away, don't tell me that we're not the same. We face the fire together, brothers till the end.
1: Yeah, it's it, it, it definitely... I just like this song because it, it, it brings me back to like the strong connection like we have as siblings too. Like I, I think that's super important. I, I can relate to the song a lot, and I don't know. It's just it's just nice. It's it's a nice um, closer, at least to the Admiral and Huron story. Um, and I I do like how it is this cliffhanger where we can kind of fill in and, and speculate on the pieces.
2: Oh, yeah. And in this kind of – I don't want to call it a trope because it's not a trope. It's its this this type of theme in a in a movie is what I'm a total sucker for. I'll just bawl my eyes out every time is whenever someone does that, they sacrifice themselves to stand by their either biological brother or friend that's close enough to be one. Mm-hmm. So I just – I saw a lot of that, that, that sacrificial friendship and standing by someone. And whenever I see that in a movie or a TV show, I'm just – a mess. So <laughs> this is an emotional song. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Mark, if you feel anything specific in this song.
0: I mean, I I definitely like it. It's uh, the way it opens up. It's almost like a, a western standoff, almost <laughs> like mm-hmm. all right, this is uh, make it or break it. Like are you coming or what? Um, I can almost sort of see them. Not debating, but, like, you know, working through this together. Like, you know, I can almost picture him turning away like, oh, don't, don't, don't you, don't you go. <laughs> don't you say <laughs> we're not the same. We're in this together, man. Um, but, yeah, I do love that this is, it's not answered. We really could go either way on this. Uh, does he? Does he come with them? Does he not? Is he going to come in like Han Solo style later? Like, who, <laughs> who knows? Uh, I think only. Uh, I think only Ben does. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. curious to see potentially him return to this in the future. But uh, we're not quite done yet.
2: One thing's for sure is they are not convinced of their own mortality. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. run away. Our time will come, but not today. I will stand mm-hmm. beside you, brother. With We're you not this end. day. Not this day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they do not have any sort of sense of how fragile life is. <laughs> 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 They're just like guns blazing, grabbing life by the suspenders.
0: They're both gonna die.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, um. So brother gives way to in the wind and. I just was, you know, do you have any sort of – this is before the bonus track. So this is 10th track on the album. It's the closer before the bonus track of Stranger. Um, What do you guys think about how they chose to end the album?
0: I love it. This is the ending this album needed. If it wasn't going to be some big, like, battle or confrontation with uh, the Lord and uh, Admiral against whoever – If 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 that wasn't going to happen, if that was the baseline, this is what we needed, Um, because you even mentioned before, like where the heck does uh, Helena stand in all of this? Like we we don't we we've only gotten the brief glimpse as to who she actually is in Lullaby, and and that's and that's it. Like all we have is the sequence of events. We have that, like what actually happens, and what Lord Huron thinks about her and that's all we have to go on. But then, in the wind, we finally get, like, a glimpse into her, and we see the repercussions from her deciding, No, I can't come with you. I, I need to stay here. You're on you're on your own. I'm sorry. I can't come with even after he begs her. Not once, but twice in Ends of the Earth and Time to Run. Like with time to run being the like, okay, this is like your last chance. I'm like going. Like is are you coming mm-hmm. or are you not coming or you're not? And then and in the wind, I get the senses is like a little bit after that. Maybe a year, maybe you know, a couple months or maybe years after time to run i'm not sure if it happens before or after lullaby but it i get the sense that she realizes like oh no that was it that was my chance and he mm-hmm. i like i've sort of grown up now as a person like i i missed it like that's it and we get a sense of who she is then which she resolves herself to then you know what i will wait i'm mm-hmm. going to sit here And he will come to me, screw what everyone else says that says you're dead or you're just gone, deadbeat. No, I know. What did they know? What did they know? They don't. They don't. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay here. I know better. Mm -hmm.
2: She actually says in the lyrics, I would wait for a thousand years. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. I
2: would sit right here by the lake, my dear. You just let me know that you're coming home and I'll wait for you.
1: It's very sweet. Like, I love this because like you're saying, this is the first glimpse that we get a sense of Helena's perspective on the relationship. And I I just, I I love, yeah, she finally comes to realization like, oh no, like, yeah, like she, Huron was the one that that got away almost in in the sense that. Literally. (laughs) Yeah, you are, yeah, exactly. You you are the purest soul I've ever known in my life. Like that is just, you get a sense of just how strong the longing is in this song. Like she's almost like, in denial like no he's not dead like he he physically can't be dead like she like she says yeah. like, death is a wall but it can't be the end like kind of what we're getting back at, i guess like the man who lives forever like they both like love each other to the sense that they don't even really view death as as a barrier that can stop them like it, it very much is i don't know it's just, it just it it just is a beautiful song like i love the The sampling here that goes into it is that we have these beautiful wind chimes that kind of lead into Mm. this and just this faint you get this faint chanting or kind of singing in the background that's very echoey and you could see very much see that helena sitting on the lake singing to herself trying to comfort herself Mm -hmm. it's just it's it's a heart jerking song it very much is you got this cliffhanger like is huron gonna make it like (laughs) is he in that what's gonna happen to him and the admiral and I very much think Mark is right. I think this is, like, years down the line. Like, Helena, I mm-hmm. think, m- might have been too young to really understand. And just, she was, could have been, like, timid or could have been, like, I I don't know. Like, just kind of scared about it all. Then, like like you're saying, Mark, she it's this realization, like, she missed her chance. Like, and it's just such a sad song. Um, and it just is, I think it very much is a perfect emotional closer for for this album because it just it's very much just you get
0: the sense that it just kind of ties a nice bow on on things it works as a closer on every level it works in that there is this character thread this 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 plot thread that was barely addressed and we finally have that at least you know touched on if not like you know wrapped up we kind of know where she is ends up at the end of this record. Um, but she's also waiting for his return and, like, sort of follow-up on, like, what happens, just like we are at the end of this record. We don't know what happens. We're kind of in the same place as Helena right now. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But then also, sonically, musically, it is a fantastic closer. It is a climatic ending with violins at the end. Just mm-hmm. the last thing we hear is just a, a symphony of violins just ringing out this this melody and uh as like the rest of the layers of this cake just sort of drift away and we're left with just the violins on their last, you know, few notes ringing out into mm-hmm. like this 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 open space and that's that's it. That's how this ends. It's a big finale and it's emotionally satisfying even though it's a sad ending. It is a ending and it is it is it feels right. It wraps at least the emotional journey we went on up in a nice bow.
2: I don't think it's a sad ending. For me, it was hopeful because she ends and she says, well, they say that you're gone and that I should move on. I wonder, how do they know, baby? How do they know? Well, they don't. So for me, it's hopeful. I'm like, ah, there it is. She does love him. She does love him. And Mm -hmm. he's coming back for her because I know he's alive based on the other songs. Well, maybe. And that's what, you know, he may or may not be alive. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. for me, it was hopeful because it, it meant that All of this trouble that Lord Huron went through was, you know, not for naught. It's – he did correctly interpret their love and the actions that he took were worth this epic love. And this is that confirmation we get on it. You know, imagine if we had never heard, heard from Helena. I mean, all of this trouble that he's gone through. I mean, he's all but damned. Maybe he is damned. Maybe he's not even human anymore. We don't know. Um. We don't know if he's dead, alive, or what. I mean, why would you go through all of that for someone who doesn't love you back? And here we know that she did this whole time. So that for me was like, okay, that's a hopeful and perfect ending to the to the album. Well, we've somehow talked about Lord Huron for two hours. Um, <laughs> but good stuff. Good stuff all around. I thought it would be a good closing exercise to just kind of – ask you if you have any final thoughts that you had put in the parking lot because you didn't have an opening to say them earlier in the podcast. Um, now's time just final call for closing thoughts
0: in general. Uh, the strong point of the album remains the same as I said at the beginning, like it's the, it's the flow, it's the pacing and it's the, the, the complex and interesting layers that create this sort of sonic landscape that we get to explore along with Lord Huron and the rest of the characters. Um, it, the flow is truly, in my opinion, the the album's strongest suit in terms of how easy it is to listen to this record. A lot of times when I listen to records all the way through, um, near the end or at least at some point in the record, I'm looking at my watch, like, "Oh, okay, like you know, it's it's getting near there. You know, it's starting to wrap up. Like you know, in a way, like oh, I can't wait for this to be over." But this is such a smooth easy listen and like there's very few records that uh are able to pull off that flow that well like one of the other ones that jumps to my mind is neutral milk hotels and the airplane over the sea that one has amazing flow as well and this is this is up there in terms of pacing um so very expertly crafted a wonderful adventure just through and through uh must listen um no yeah i I would i would kind of echo mark
1: i don't really have any thoughts that I, I I wasn't able to say, but I, I guess I'll just kind of close by saying that I just this album just really does hold a special place in my heart. It just it's such a fun experience every time, and every listen I feel like I gain something new out of it. And I think it's because I listen to a different points in my life, where I, maybe I can latch onto a different aspect of the story and relate to one aspect more than the other, and. Like I said, there's just depth to this listening experience. It has uh, replay value like crazy, um, whether it be just the story or just the instrumentals. And I will say, like, it's a must listen, but it's a must listen. You, like, like, sit down, put on a nice pair of headphones and just go for the ride. Like, just, yeah. I mean, it, it truly is. You are taken on this journey and you meet these characters and you get you can just let your child imagination just run, and it's it's such a fun um fun album,
2: oh yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I'll echo both of your thoughts um secondly, <laughs> like I've mentioned before, one of the constant thoughts I had when listening to this album is, what the heck did Lord Huron do that was so bad? You know what's the true order of events, what's the story here i I constantly was listening to the lyrics, trying to get puzzle pieces to tell me, you know, put into place to tell me what the true picture was. So I'm interested to know what you guys think. I know, Michael, you had started with this already, but I'll actually start with Mark. Do you have a, a running theory about what, you know, who did Lord Huron piss <laughs> off? What did he do?
0: Uh, it's it's actually fairly mundane. Um, I, I never really gave it much thought. And uh, since my personal view on the record and how i like to listen to it is a a, a a oh in fact a lot more uh on the surface level than uh both of you it seems um due to that i think it's more of just like a, oh he Probably is just swindling or stealing money from someone you really shouldn't be stealing money from. Like that could be just like any a uh, corrupt politician that would just has a hit on your head, or like a a, a mobster or gangster, um, just someone that like oh you thought like you could just steal and get d- away with, and and just like no, this person's coming for your head now. Like this is not good. So I just always assumed do something like that and that sort of fit into the like i did i did it for you i did it for us well you know potentially getting money to support the family maybe they mm. weren't financially well i mean being a professional adventurer really doesn't get you a lot of money so you know, <laughs> um, you know that's sort of the way I, I i prefer to look at it i do have a more crackpot theory if you guys were crazy about you know things like that but um in general this is the one i prefer
2: you mean adventuring doesn't pay the bills hence why i have my day job <laughs>
1: So Mark yeah I th- I think you could kind of go on your crack a crack pop theory here uh probably when we discuss uh strange trails cuz that's where you kind of really connect the the two worlds here I think in terms of your theory and I I find it really interesting cuz I never considered it before so um yeah I think that'd be interesting once we discuss uh, strange trails to learn what your perspective on how these two worlds really already connect um so uh, I-, I guess I could delve into um, I guess my theory on what I thought he did that was so bad, like in the in the previous discussion. I mean, Helena appears to have some sort of something that's holding her back. Like, I mean, like she she can't go with him and ends of the earth, and and she 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 just can't she can't go with him. And so I, I have this 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 kind of off headcanon theory that I I think Helena is and Huron are in an affair of sorts, and I think. That yeah. Helena may be stuck in, say, a controlling marriage with some wealthy estate man who runs sort of some sort of Western gang in this town, and Huron at, at the end of end, ends of the earth or in ends of the earth tries to urge her to like, come on, like, flee with me. Let's start a new life. Like, you can leave this marriage and we can live together. It'll be great. And as Lullaby alludes to, I think that at the end, end of the earth or at the end of ends of the earth, he he gets kind. Of, he's just disappointed. He's like. I guess I'm going alone, but I, I think I think secretly Huron's like, I think I can get rid of the these shackles that's holding her. And I think I mean, as it alludes to in lullaby, he's he's a troublemaker. I mean, he's kind of this renegade kind of cowboy kid. And he I think he tries confronting this gang and ends up getting in some a really bad skirmish with them. And I he ends up unsuccessful, turns to her in lullaby and she's like, What did you do? And I think Lullaby then turns into Time to Run, where after she comforts him, calms him down, and gets him ready, the gang shows up and is after for his head. So I think that's, I think I see the uh, kind of chronological line of events is ends of the earth um, to him doing this terrible deed, to, to him like facing this gang and trying to rough him up and trying to free her from this controlling marriage, to, to Lullaby, where he gets back to Helena, she tries to co- confront him. And then when he gets back to his senses, those those guys are knocking down his door. And it's like, last chance, honey. Like, it's time to run. I gotta go. Like, come on. I did all for you. Like, let's go. Come on. And she still has these reservations. It still feels tied down. She can't. And I think then either in the wind can either be after time to run if it's sooner or years later, like we discussed, where she finally comes to realization, like, oh, I missed my chance. Like, he was the one that got away. And I could and then I see it kind of proceeding where we have then I will be back one day, then leading to brother where it kinda of closes things out.
2: Uh, I agree with you and Mark actually, and I think that the theories that or the theory that I have is actually a combination of the two of yours. Um, where I think that yes, Lord Huron and Helena are in an affair and Helena's married to person that Huron stole from, the one person you don't want to cross, someone very powerful, very menacing, and with the authority to just order a manhunt after Huron, um, maybe out of jealousy or um, maybe doesn't know about the affair. I I don't know. Um, But I think that there's some sort of love triangle going on and that Lord Huron was willing to cross the line and steal or murder or something to free Helena from a loveless marriage or something like that. Something along those lines. But, Mark, I'm interested to hear your crazier theory once we talk about Strange Trails.
0: All right. I'll pocket that for our next discussion. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Um, And we talked a lot about, you know, George Ranger Johnson at the beginning of the podcast. Um, So I think it's kind of fitting to bring it back to him. I know Ben Schneider did an interview with NPR, and he said something to the effect of, "I I do miss George. He might pop back up sometime. So... If Lord Huron were to return to the tales of George Ranger Johnson, what do you hope the next adventure would be, you know, if at all? Are you satisfied with this storyline and don't want to reopen it?
1: So I think, I mean, like I said, we're definitely left with just this huge cliffhanger. But in my opinion, kind of like you're saying, I kind of hope that the tale of Huron and Admiral is left largely untouched. I kind of like that ability that intentional vagueness that we can kind of develop our own imagination and think of what might happen. But that being said, I would love for, for if Lord here were to return of the tales of George Ranger Johnson, I would love to kind of see the same kind of world kind of Western influence this kind of, um, this kind of story. And maybe I would love to see other characters in the story. But that being said, I think that I would love to see... I think they could do something really cool here with, like, side characters that may be tied into the story of Amaral and uh, Huron, because ultimately, kind of like I was saying, we a lot of the details we're missing out on... I mean, Schneider highlights more of key character development moments and the actual kind of storyline aspects kind of in between those big character moments kind of is left open-ended. So I would kind of love maybe to see some side characters and maybe in the background of... The, the side character stories we we get this like cookie crumb trail for us maybe to put together some of those vague aspects of lonesome dreams i would like to leave kind of huron and admiral's tale kind of largely untouched um i think it can be supplemented very well but i think to leave it on this cliffhanger is kind of what makes this album in my head so special cuz i can really let my imagination just run wild um so I don't know. That, that's that's just kind of my thoughts on maybe if they were returned to George Ranger Johnson's tales. Um, what I would kind of like to see them do. What do you think, Amy?
2: Uh, you know I'm I'm a hopeless romantic, so I <laughs> I would love to see Helena and Lord Huron reunited. Yes, mm-hmm. I I would. Um, I think there could be some more epic battling over Helena. Um, I don't know. I kind of foresee the admiral the admiral dying. I, I can see that playing out. Admiral sacrifices mm-hmm. himself for Lord Huron and Helena's love. But, I mean, we don't know if that happened already, um, you know, in Lonesome Dreams. That it's mm-hmm. very unclear, the fate of Lord Huron and the Admiral. So, um, yeah, I, I would like to see, but it's mostly because the romantic in me wants to see them end up together.
0: Mm-hmm. What about you, Mark? So, I could not disagree with, more with Michael um on this one. Uh, I think this demands some sort of follow up and um much in the way that people uh, speculate that portal and half life universes since they they take place in the same world, the same universe. There would be like the, you know, the three for both of them would be a crossover. I'm wanting a crossover between Lonesome Dreams and Strange Trails. I want some character leak over to happen. Um, it's the same world. And even in the Strange Trails, the uh, center uh, fold art in Strange Trails is a bar, a, a smoky bar, the outside of a smoky bar with some a neon sign that says George's. Um. So we, he is already playing around with crossover between these universes. I don't even think it's a matter of if. I think it's a matter of when the two worlds start to to cross over to each other. I foresee Lord Huron and uh, Admiral, like you know, I foresee them starting to get into. Uh, the the shady stuff going on in strange tales with the uh, world enders and the phantom riders mm, and all yeah. kinds of crazy stuff happening over there. And in fact, I would even go as far as to say, potentially, there's already a little bit of of bleed through that we may not even be aware of that could potentially be revealed um in a future work as well. Like it's it, as Michael said, a lot of this is open ended, so. If Ben so chose, like, I'm not saying he had ever all this planned out in advance, but if he so chose, sort of like George Lucas, he could go back and retroactively go like, oh, yeah, this could go here. Or, (laughs) you know what, this could be the cause for this and and tie things in as much as he wanted. And it's not like he has a a shortage of material to work with. That's what I would want anyway, coming out of a a return to George and uh, his characters in this sort of story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's interesting, Mark. Cause like, like you're saying, like some of the, like, I mean, Strange Trails is very much apocalyptic. So some of that stuff really could spill over to kind of the more supernatural aspects, uh, that we see in Lonesome Dreams. Um, yeah, I think that would be pretty interesting to see just, yeah, just to see, cause I mean, uh, the, the, the world or the, the town that, that, that uh, Strange Trails takes place in, um, Does share those, those, that, that supernatural, just like something's happening, like, and it's not 100% good. (laughs) Like, um, yeah, I would like to see how that kind of ties into things. I I think that could be uh, very interesting.
2: Okay. And with that, I think, I think we've tied up Lonesome Dreams into a nice, nice little bow. Um, Mark, I'll turn it over to you to see us out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that is Lonesome Dreams by Lord Huron, their debut LP. What awaits us next? Well, uh, you'll just have to tune in to see, or you could uh, do a Google search and see that the next album is, in fact, Strange Trails, uh, which all three of us will be returning to discuss at a later date. Uh, but for now, I think we're going to have to close, and I'd like to thank my wonderful panel, starting with Michael. Michael, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, it was it was a blast. I mean, I, like I said, I love this album, and I, I, I really love how we got us all together to do this. It was, it was a good time. Mm -hmm. And Amy, thank you so, so, so much for joining us in your first ever appearance on (laughs) Bad Music Hurts and for helping guide our rambling selves through this uh, wonderful, wonderful album.
2: Mm, It was my pleasure. Anytime.
0: And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. All materials referenced during the show are linked and available in both the show notes and on the Lonesome Dreams page on badmusichurts.com. Thanks again, and see you on the other side.